Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to get more people into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Josiah Smith, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. I'm sure at some point you've heard the saying, more money, more problems. And this is something that both people who are believers say and people who are not believers say. This is a common phrase that I think actually is borrowed directly from the scriptures. You see what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 is for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many Pangs. Paul says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Evil. So what he's not saying is that money or material possessions are somehow in and of themselves bad. But what he is saying is that an improper love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The more money you have and the more love you have for that money, the more problems you Get. That's what he says as he goes on in verse 10. It is through this craving, this craving, this insatiable love for money, for money, that some have wandered away from the faith even and pierced themselves with many pangs. Well, as we turn to our reading today in 1 Kings chapter 10, we're going to see this old saying, this old adage of more money, more problems be true of King Solomon himself. Now, it's very interesting as you read through 1 Kings chapter 10 and 2 Chronicles chapter 9, you may not readily see the problems that money begins to cause for King Solomon. In fact, as you read through it at first glance, if we don't read it carefully, we see this chapter as being overly positive. It's it's a recommendation or it's it's someone speaking positively about the, the wisdom that Solomon has and the riches that he possesses. But if we read carefully and closely, we're going to see that the more money that King Solomon has, the more problems that he begins to face. Let's look at it together in 1 Kings 10. This is really where we see the queen of Sheba. She begins to kind of balk at King Solomon's wisdom and his wealth. She's completely in awe of what she is seeing. Look at verse four. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers and his burnt offerings that he offered in the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. She was absolutely just flabbergasted at all that she was seeing. She was so impressed by the wisdom that Solomon had and the riches that he had as well. But then in verse six, it says, and she said to the king, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me your wisdom and prosperity. They surpassed the report that I had heard. And again, this seems like a positive thing. The queen of Sheba, she goes to visit King Solomon. She's asking him all these different questions. King Solomon, and is answering her. There's not one question that she asks that he cannot answer, that he cannot give wisdom for. And she's completely blown away. 
We might take this as being something that is positive, even something that maybe we could learn from about praying for wisdom as Solomon did and utilizing wisdom. But as we continue to read through this passage, we're going to see how the wealth and the material possessions that Solomon gains, it begins to lead him down this slippery slope of loving money, the root of all kinds of evil. And it's really through this craving that Solomon has that he begins to wander away from the faith and he is pierced as Paul says, with many pangs. Let's look at this in verse 26. It says, And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. And again, this just feels like it's it's a part of the long list of things that are said about his wealth and about his wisdom. But let's keep reading. It says, He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king in Jerusalem. And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone. He was so wealthy and so rich that silver was as common in Jerusalem as stone. And he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of the Shephelah. And Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Kew, and the king's traders received from them, received them from Q at a price. Now, again, if we're not careful, if we're not reading closely, then we're going to miss the, the textual clue given to us in this passage that lets us in on the behind the curtain, so to speak, on Solomon really struggling with the money and the possessions that he has. It comes right there out of verse 28, and it says, and Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Cute. And again, this just feels like, okay, no big deal. It's a part of all the other things that we're seeing King Solomon do. It's a part of his wealth and his riches. Not a big deal. It's just descriptive. Well, in fact, this was a verse that meant for those of us who are, again, tuned in readers, it, it, it would call to mind a command that was given in Deuteronomy specifically to kings to not do this, to not import horses. Deuteronomy chapter 17 Verse 6 says, only, this is talking about kings, again, he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses, since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And so what we see is that Solomon, through his pursuit and his love of riches, he begins to violate the law of God. And even what we'll see tomorrow in 1 Kings chapter 11 is that this begins to spiral out of control for King Solomon. And what we need to understand is just like King Solomon, if we are not careful, the love and the pursuit of money and material possessions that we can gain on this earth, it can lead us to even flat out rejection of plain commands that are given in scripture. Solomon, he gains this wealth and then for a time it's impressive. He utilizes this wisdom in a way that honors the Lord. But somewhere along the line, his love for this money begins to corrupt his heart and he begins to turn away from the teachings of scripture. As we turn to our passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, what we're going to see is instructions or specific things that God desires for us in terms of the way that we deal with our money. This is a famous passage. I'm sure you've heard it either referenced or quoted before. It's about God loving a cheerful giver. This is God's heart for those of us who do have material possessions, or even if we don't have a lot, he desires for us to utilize the things that we are given 
both in our money and our time, with a cheerful heart as unto the Lord. Let's look at verse 6 together. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then what Paul does is he goes on and he connects the, the, the reason and the rationale that we should have a cheerful heart in our giving really is because of the message and the sufficiency of grace, the message of the gospel, what we have been given out of the abundance of God's generosity, that, that should stir in us a cheerful heart in giving. Look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he is distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. forever. And what we see is this connection between our generosity and God's generosity. We even see this in passages in, in the letter of 1 John. We love because we have first been loved by Christ. We give because we have first been given by Christ. And our cheerful heart comes out of a proper understanding of all that we have received, all of the spiritual blessings that have culminated in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And there's a motivation for us, even with and alongside the message of the gospel, it's that understanding that Paul talks about in verses 10 through 12, that those who give will receive in return blessings from the Lord. It says in verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. What we need to understand is that wealth, material possessions, even our time, these things, these commodities that God has given us, they are in no way bad or evil, but they, they can certainly, as we saw with King Solomon, they can lead us towards evil things. They can lead us towards a path of destruction where we begin to even neglect the clear teachings of scripture and what God desires for us as his Children is to give with a cheerful heart, to give because we understand what we have been given, to give so that others might have a heart of thanksgiving towards the Lord, to give because we even can be motivated by the blessings that we will receive either in this life or the next by God himself. We give ultimately because we have first been given to, by God, through Christ. That's even that, that reality in, in Romans chapter 5. In while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were rebels, God was generous with us. And that reality should stir something in us. And the ways in which we view our money, the ways in which we handle our time, the, the, the commodities that God has given us, we should give with a cheerful heart out of a love for the gospel of Jesus Christ and a proper understanding of all that has been done to us in and through Christ Jesus. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. Pastor Ben Blakey will be back again on August 22nd. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.